0: Welcome to the Win the 16 Podcast, presented by Pygon One Consulting. This is your go-to podcast on optimizing your day. The Win the 16 Podcast features discussions on leadership and coaching, personal and professional development, as well as discussions on the modern work culture and engaging employees in hybrid and remote work environments. Your hosts are Dave Pygon, president of Pygon One Consulting, and his brother, Dr. Bud Pygon, anesthesiologist at the University of Illinois at Chicago. On today's episode, Dave interviews Ken Scales, CEO of Scales Allergy. Topics include artificial intelligence, analytics, and chat GPT. Next week, the Win the 16 podcast will have a special episode where Bud interviews Dave about his soon-to-be-released book, also titled Win the 16.
1: Welcome to Win the 16, everybody. And as always, thank you for listening. Thank you to Carrie and the production team. We always appreciate all your work behind the scenes. Please rate, review, and follow us. We're now on all the major platforms, so you can find us everywhere. Good news today also, I wanted to mention everybody, we just got some great analytics. And I mentioned that because we have someone who's gonna really teach us all today about analytics and artificial intelligence, Ken Scales, but we are now being listened to in five different continents. So Dr. Bud Paiga and I are pretty excited about that when we receive that information. So today's topic, we're going to dive into a couple different things. We're going to talk about artificial intelligence. We are going to talk about Chat GPT. We're going to talk about analytics. And what better than to have an expert in it? Today I have the benefit. Who now uh, I call a friend. I had a we had mutual people introduce us a couple months back, and we have Ken Scales here today from Scalesology. So, Ken, welcome to Win the Sixteen Podcast.
2: Well, Dave, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here, and it's I, I'm just a pleasure to be talking with you today.
1: Oh, it's our pleasure, and it's great because you know sometimes you get to meet somebody, and uh, Ken and I just hit it off, and uh, he's just a great guy. Had a chance to go out to dinner with him, Elaine, and Susan, and those are our wives. So. Uh, I've got another new friend in the world. So it's been great. So Ken, why we why don't we start this off by everybody probably would love to hear your background. I found it interesting and helpful to understand you. So Ken, why don't you take it from here and share us your background?
2: I, I, well, thank you, Dave. And I have an interesting background. It, yes. it isn't one of those backgrounds that you say, well, follow this and you can, you know, do what Ken does because it's uh it's interesting, I guess, or, or maybe yep. maybe just weird. One of the two, but we'll. I'll let everyone on the on the podcast be the judge that's listening <laughs> to this today. Well, you know, I started basically with um, you know, I went to college like most folks do, like my uh, bachelor, bachelor of arts in political science. And as I was doing that, I was interested in a couple of different things, like most uh, kids going through college. Um, I, what do I want to do with my life? And I think most uh, I, I can I talk to some folks in college today, and they're they're kind of the same way. What Ken? What do I need to do to to do this? Well, that wasn't exactly me. I didn't know what exactly I wanted to do, but I know what I liked, mm-hmm. and I liked talking to people. I liked doing things on a computer, and um, and I, in some point, shape, or form, I, I kind of liked being a leader. And so, um, as I was going through school, I was lucky enough to be—I um, uh, was a student uh, government uh, president of my, uh, my university, and that kind of got me into enjoying leading. I'd say, and and understanding how to lead. And so, I had a couple of mentors there that really helped me understand that it, it isn't all about me. It isn't all about maybe that Machiavellian kind of leadership style. It's really more of getting people to buy into things and and leading by example and so uh, that was a, a life lesson for me as i was also going through school i took some programming classes and that was fun i if for anyone who does programming now i i'll, I'll say what it was it was basic was my first computer language and i know many of you are laughing right now and then that's you okay just,
1: you just dated yourself I, my did, friend. i you did. just dated you. but I, go ahead i, I got you, you. Know,
2: I, but you know i'm <laughs> not as young as i used to be but that's that's where you get this wisdom date. yes right? Uh, and then I got into really, um, as I was going through school, I learned how to manage. So there's a difference between leadership and difference between management. In management, I, I went to what I consider probably one of the best schools I could have, and that was with United Partial Service. And so I became, mm-hmm. I started there as loading trucks, and then I ended up on the sort aisle, which I took a test and someone said, hey, if you take this test, it's a better and easier job. I thought, well, why not, right? So I mm-hmm. took the test, I passed the test, Eventually, I did that for a while, and I was then up for management, and I became a supervisor. So, they had about a three month training course, and it was one of the greatest things. I use some of that today, which really they called it management by commitment. It was managing by numbers, managing by looking at data. And so, looking at that data, looking at numbers, and how do you take that with what's going on in an operations situation? is what really kind of brought my head around what I do with a lot of my clients today. And that's with looking at an operational workflow and then putting numbers in my head around that. And I really learned that at UPS. The other great thing I learned at UPS was, as many of us do when we're managing people, if someone can't do the job, they we always roll up our sleeves and get in there and help them do it. Well, sometimes that's good and sometimes it's bad. It's good from an example standpoint, but it's bad because you can't see that overall picture sometimes. Mm. At UPS, it was a union shop. I had to give up my union card to be a part of uh, management. But what that made me do was it made me look at the entire operation. I was 20 years old, Dave, and I had 18 employees. And so what I had to do then, instead of me helping them do sorting, which I was pretty good at, Mm -hmm. I had to look at the whole operation and then maybe slow down one truck from uh, uh, unloading so fast, have someone else help. I mean, so that also taught me to look at the big picture and then tactically, how do I apply the big picture to what I need to do at the time? And if anyone's ever worked at UPS or FedEx or any of those um, different um, logistic companies, it's moving fast and you have to think fast. So, so that's how that's part of my management experience with, with that. And then the technology is even interesting and even a more meandering road.
1: But if, I feel like you have a question, Dave. I do have a question. I do. He could see it. Ken could see it in my eyes. I was just chopping at the bit. What's so cool about your background, and I think it's one of the many reasons why you're so successful, Ken, is because you don't have that traditional computer science background in it, out of college, or, I mean, excuse me, being a computer science graduate right out of college. And that leads in all these other things. I What I think people would love to hear now is being the C, CEO of Scalesology, how did you get there? You, you did this at UPS. And by the way, I do have to comment on this. You are the first person on win the 16 podcast to man- mention machiavellian which for everybody just a reminder <laughs> the end justifies the mean that's machiavellian i remember reading that book it was high school or college but you are the yeah, first the so prince
2: yes you beat my brother
1: to it which i that's something he would do but why don't you take us through that like, how does a guy with this background ups uh, clearly has a passion for leadership management Get to become the CEO of Scalesology.
2: It started with a tornado. Oh, this I is lived. Good. I lived in Indianapolis, Indiana, and as I was working at UPS, as I was getting my undergraduate degree before I went to get my graduate degree, there was a tornado that wiped out uh, much of the um, trees, houses, cable, um, telephone lines and so i got a job actually they called it a grunt Mm. and for anyone (laughs) i I basically pulled what they called a lasher on a cable coaxial cable with a wire and it made the coaxial cable hook up to the wire and that would hold it up there and as i was doing that for a while um, some of the guys called me okay college kid can you do this and said oh yeah sure so i started putting the electronics together for the coaxial cable. And then I started uh, implementing all the, uh, I learned how to implement and put all the coaxial cable together in the ground and the electronics and everything together with it. And then I started leading a charge, uh, a group doing that. Uh, Eventually we then got into fiber optics and I started to learn how to build fiber optic systems. All these things, this is kind of led the journey. And so then I took basically the fiber optic knowledge that I had and the business knowledge I had, and we want to deal in, uh, Tampa. And this is kind of one of the things that kind of got me in my name in business is that I figured out that we could design a fiber optic loop faster than anyone else and, um, do it in a way that would cost probably three-fourths of what our competitors could do. Oh, wow. So we bid it out that way and we won the bid. And so instead of building it the traditional way, which was a loop around a city, we built a one line from one point to uh, the final point. And the reason we did that was because, not to get too much in the weeds here, and this is you know my, getting into my technology talk here, but there's an attenuation rate. Radio frequency goes through fiber optics and it's light. So it's light that gets converted into the radio frequency. The radio frequency goes into an amplifier that's an electronic amplifier and amplifies it down to these things called taps, which then eventually you hook into, which you use a cable TV. Um, now everyone's going streaming, but the same, the same thing happens in streaming is you're, you're using that RF signal that's then getting converted into something you're gonna use on the internet. So instead of doing it at the engineered rate of a certain DB loss, um, we did it in a different way. And we did it with it wasn't it was the splice wasn't as perfect, and the reason that and you think well Ken you just took shortcuts how how is that a big that's everyone does that no 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 the shortcuts I did was on purpose and the reason we did it that way was because it was faster to do the splice but I also had to use less of what they call pads to dampen the RF signal the FCC goes around with planes and if there's too much RF bleed then they the companies get fined. So Mm -hmm. they put these pads in there. And so by putting these pads in there and having less of these pads, I actually saved them more money on the electronics they had to use. So we built it. This was all, i never done it this way before. No one ever done it this way before. So I built this whole, we built the whole, the the one uh, part of the loop that way, had the engineers look at it, and they blessed it, which then allowed us to do all the rest of the loop the way that we had planned to do it. So that was one of my claims of fame of actually using technology and business knowledge to actually go and um, we we made a lot of money
1: after that. Well, you pioneered something into the marketplace, which is excellent. Why don't you do this, Ken? Why don't you tell everybody about Scalesology? Sure. The name, by the way, I told you the first time we met, I love the name. So yeah, I think you should probably maybe get into that as well at some point yeah. today is the name. Cause I think the name's cool. It's memorable. And what give everybody a little bit of idea about Scalesology. Sure, absolutely.
2: Um, to, to finish the last part of that story, just really quick. Sure, sorry. No, 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 no. I went into computer software development after that, started building web applications and then eventually a video game that uh, was on the market called Brainware Safari that took cognitive development uh, uh, a, a a paper, uh, a clinical based cognitive development product and put it into a video game. Oh. So that's kind of a, that's how I transitioned from hardware into eventually doing programming and web applications. But so, so Scalesology, if you look at Scalesology, what are we about? And in our tagline is we ensure your business scales the right data insights and technology. But when I first went into te- Scalesology, it was really about, how can we help our clients through that business and data analytics journey? Mm-hmm. And so, um, but I think one of the things that, I'll talk a little bit about skillsology, and then why, and I think maybe we, we talked a little bit earlier about, you know why did I decide to create skillsology? But one of the things that we do at skillsology is we help clients through that, I'll call it again, the business and data analytics journey. What is that? Part of it is, are you collecting the right information? And if you're not, how can we help you do that? And that's where we have software development we create these web apps to help them collect the right information. Are you processing that information the right way? Well, processing it can be are you taking from one application to another, which is why we do our application integration and, and then the other part of it is, are you taking that data and you cleansing it? Are you parsing it? If you know there's terms like data wrangling, data cleansing, All that is in an effort to maybe then maybe centralize that data. And then that data being centralized, then you can actually do high-level analytics on it, right? Because whether it's structured or unstructured data, you've got to pull it from somewhere. And then when you pull that from somewhere, you can do the analytics. And we'll get into analytics a lot, I think, Dave, on this show. Yeah, I won't absolutely. Go too much into it. But then once once you do that, you get those data insights. The key then is, are you deploying that into action? By deploying that into action, you're seeing that ROI you're seeing that efficiency. You're understanding what customers you're trying to go after. You're If you're a manufacturing company, you're looking at the most, how do you get around these bottlenecks that are you know, causing your, your production costs to go up? All these things are ways that we at Scalesology make sure we deploy those things in action. And then we do that in a secure way with some of our information security services.
1: Ken, we're gonna get into analytics in a minute, but I have to ask this question because you got me thinking. My brother and I, we're big in analytics. We believe in it. Uh, it's just so... Why? What do you find from your experience, why some people still resist this data? We view it as it's a foundation of information that only helps us and our businesses and basically everything in life. Why are some people resisting the usage of analytics? It drives us crazy in the business world, my brother and I, and it drives us nuts in sports too when we have the data and people aren't using it.
2: You know, it's it's funny, I, I'm being in a a company that we're all about data, it, I feel the same way, Dave. It really baffles me. You know, sometimes I think some folks like to have their head in the sand and and they like to always do things the way they've always done it. Yeah, sure. And, and they don't wanna think about doing it in a different way. I think that's part of it. The other part of it is that sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to understand mm. where do you start with getting those data insights? And because it's, it's hard to understand where to start, people just don't do it. And so I think those are a couple of things I've seen.
1: Is it also people are busy like everybody, even though personally, I, I, I find most people in the world are busy these days. I don't know many people are not busy with the complex competitive world we're in. Is it because we get so caught up with the flywheel and doing what we're normally doing that we don't take the time to say there might be better ways to do it more efficient more effective ways with analytics because it does take some time and a commitment to understanding it and calling people like you at Scalesology
2: I I think you've you've hit the nail on the head I I do believe that's a big part of it I mean we've I hear you know you've heard these lines all the time we've always done it this way sure yeah it's never and, and and usually it's working. Why break it, right? Why, yes. I mean, it's not broken. Why, why, why try to fix it? And a lot of that is is good for a, a lot of companies until they get to a a bottleneck or they get to a pain pain point, and it usually is when they're trying to grow. Um, and and when that happens, they can no longer do it the way they've been doing mm-hmm. doing it. And and, and what? And, and they look at it and they go, I don't. I, okay, I got a problem. I don't even know how to fix this thing. And that's where data can really help.
1: You're you're so. You're so right on that. My phone doesn't ring as much when people are, when their culture is great. It usually happens when culture starts to slip or it's not so great when I get the calls to come in. And that's because um, people are busy, they're doing things, things are running smooth. They're not thinking to themselves, it could be even better. Well, they're waiting for that. So that makes complete sense. But it is is so so frustrating why don't we do this ken why don't we jump in and this term and you and i were even talking about this before we got on the podcast today uh why don't you get into artificial intelligence whether you want to define it talk about it because it is obviously misused constantly my prior company that i worked for uh, many people were misusing that term it wasn't artificial intelligence a lot of times it was analytics what they were confusing it with why don't you jump in and talk to us about? Artificial intelligence.
2: Absolutely. So I think part of what maybe is the foundation for thinking about analytics is the, uh, I'll call it the, uh, the analytics uh, kind of life cycle there or, or how it kind of grows into something. And, and so you have to think about this. And if I had a chart, I could show you, but I'm going to visualize this for our folks on the podcast. Is, Great. Is, is as you go further down the line here, what I'm talking about, it becomes more difficult, but the value is so much more. Mm -hmm. So The first part of that is really what they call descriptive analytics. And descriptive analytics is exactly how it sounds. It's about the past. It's telling you what happened in the past. When you hear of business intelligence, when you hear of dashboards, you hear of KPIs, those are all things that are, it's, it's around descriptive analytics. And because it's telling you what happened and then you can, you, know, those are, you can even drill down, right? I mean, the greatest thing is you can look at it from a 50,000 foot level, and go all the way down to exactly the, the individual row of data, if you want to, if, you, if this is done right. The next part of that is diagnostic analytics. And that's really, you know, we, we just looked at what happened, you know, how did it happen? And, and so w- when we're looking at how it happened, those are when you get into uh, diagnostic analytics. Then we get into predictive analytics. And so the predictive analytics is when, when everyone gets really excited and then they get really excited because that's when you get into really looking at building machine learning models. You look at AI, you look at some of those different technologies that what you're doing is you're using the foundation you've already built with descriptive and diagnostic analytics. And you're using that data to start to make predictions. And what most folks don't understand is when you're making these predictions is that it takes time. It takes iterations. And so usually you train a model. That model, and this is what you hear about, and this is the basis for AI, is really looking at it from machine learning is a key component of AI because you are building these models that are continuously learning. And those models then, that's what's driving what's eventually gonna happen with that, with AI. The last final thing with is prescriptive analytics. And prescriptive analytics, is, I mean, you can think of some things that are happening in the world with what you're trying to do there is you're not predicting what will happen. You're trying to make it happen or make it not happen. Right?
1: Mm-hmm. We've talked
2: about, you know, you, know um, you look at the NFL right now, you look at some of the things they are doing with AI, and we might get into that in more detail here, but a lot of that is, you know, as they're looking at some of those things. How can I make, how can I have less concussions out there? Right? And so let's look at the data and let's start to predict What's happening on the football field and how can we predict how, whether it's rules changes, whether it's uh, equipment changes, how can we make this this behavior happen? And that's when you get into prescription it's, it's pers- excuse me, I can't talk. Prescriptive analytics.
1: Oh, you can see that, sure. uh,
2: you can see that the value is it goes immensely higher when you get to prescriptive analytics. The problem is it's difficult, right? There's sure. difficulty but that's what that's and, you know that's a little bit of I, the foundation of, of, of ai when we're starting to talk about that anyway. i've got two
1: i think i think good examples uh, one of them i shared with you already the other one i did not so let me see if i put this in the right bucket or not and you can you can tell me you won't hurt my feelings the first one was in the nfl uh, this predictive analytics they went back and looked at data and what they uncovered in their analytics with their team was A lot of the lower body injuries were happening early on in preseason, early on. So what they ended up doing was they put in a rule that within the first four days of practice, they have a bottom line. These are the maximum amount of minutes the players can be practicing. And what they found was there was year over year, 26% decrease in lower extremity injuries during the first couple weeks of practice when they mandated this. And forced the organizations to only allow the players to be on the field practicing so much. So that was one. Is that one a good example? That
2: that's a great example. All right.
1: Okay. You got it. I'm learning. I'm learning. You taught me, my friend. <laughs> uh, the next one I read about, and I didn't tell you about this one, so I'll be curious if I'm if we're aligned. 2022 U.S. Open Golf Tournament. They were looking at the company sponsors how do we maximize the sponsorship, the advertising for these companies that are sponsoring, spend a a tremendous amount of money. And I know you're a golfer, Mm -hmm. I am not, so I thought I'd pull this one out for you. And that was what they found was with the cameras, there was twice as much exposure on the hats than anywhere else. So you can see where they took this data now is value costs, all that stuff, valuable information, these companies. So these companies want to be on the hats is basically what the bottom line is with the article. And it was all from the analytics. You might've known that, I did not. I learned that during the research for this program. So how does that fit in?
2: Well, that's, that's very interesting as well. That means you go into a little bit of oh, customer segmentation modeling and some other things. Okay. So, so this is a good example of how you deploy data insights into action. What did they learn in your example? They learned that people are looking at the hats, okay? I mean, and this isn't brain surgery here, right? So, hey, if they're looking more at the hats than at shirts, than at the balls, than at the signs on the course, or where do we need to put our money? On the hats, right? And then eventually what they'll probably do is they'll look at it and say, okay, now we've spent more money on the hats. What is the difference between us putting money on the hats versus on these signs versus you know, and then what's, and, and is there a change? Are we making more profit doing, doing that? So that's a great example of using analytics.
1: I, you brought up something that got me thinking. Research another thing that came up. There's a company called Eon Media Corp in Toronto. Have you heard about these folks?
2: I uh, know, I have Okay,
1: not. they developed an algorithm to measure the seconds on how much screen time players logos are being received on their uniforms so let me share with you break that down this algorithm that they developed it measures when cameras are shooting players so let's just take basketball for instance let's do that one they now are able to measure how much the logo on the uniforms are being seen by the audience what this has allowed them to do is they now have the ability if people want to take advantage of this that they can direct the camera crews how to adjust their cameras to get more exposure so the organizations can differentiate to their sponsors and advertisers how we can get you more exposure than the competitor down the street they also can quantify the demographics of an arena within seconds of what are the most valuable dollars for the owners and the television partners by how to advertise within the arenas. I found it amazing,
2: actually. Oh, you know, and then my goodness, we're, we're hitting on a lot of lo- different levels there, right? So <clears throat> let's talk about this example, if, if you don't mind. Yeah, please. This is a phenomenal example, because now we're looking at descriptive analytics, right? And this is why this is a journey. Mm-hmm. We're looking at descriptive analytics, and we've and, and by looking at what's happened in the past, where people are looking at things. Not only are they now predicting it, but now with prescriptive analytics, right? Hey, let's make sure our camera angle's over here at a certain point. Let's make sure they're they're almost making it happen, right? This is a great example of learning of again what people are looking at. Um, predicting what we, what they're gonna be looking on, uh, on the court. And then, hey, let's let's do, let's do something a little bit better. Let's make sure those camera angles are looking at certain things at a certain point for a certain amount of time. So that's that's a good example. And then of course, then you can prove that to a, the advertiser, uh, right, because if you can prove that this is actually driving revenue, driving revenue yep. then there's your R- ROI.
1: Oh, and you know what? You can tell you're a smart man, Ken, not just because you're my friend, but because <laughs> I didn't give you my two examples, and I wasn't hiding it from you. I just, in doing research for these podcasts, we read a ton to get ready and prepare. Those are two that I wasn't sure I was going to use or not, but it just felt right. So I threw it out to you, and you hit a home run with uh, able to section that and decipher everything for. So, Ken, why don't we do this? Why don't we take a quick break? Uh, Thank you all for listening to Win the Sixteen. And we will be right back with more information, talking with Ken Skiles from Scalesology. Thanks for listening to Win the 16, and we'll be right back.
0: If you're an individual or an organization contemplating personal and professional development, reach out to Pygon One Consulting to have a discovery conversation regarding how we can help you and your business. Please visit our website at pygonone.com to start your journey
1: welcome back to win the 16 podcast as always thank you for listening and we have ken scales from scalesology the ceo with us today and he's talking to us about a litany of different topics ken i during the break i had mentioned you yeah, i'd love to get back into this predictive uh, analytics and a little bit more into the ai and then we cannot forget chat gpt because that uh, i think there are people out there who know that decently and i think there's other people when i talk to uh, they don't really know chat GPT at all. So why don't we jump in? So Ken, why don't you attack that predictive analytics piece for us to get us started?
2: Absolutely, Dave. So if you think about when we talked about that, <clears throat> excuse me, we talked about the the analytics lifecycle there and and predictive modeling, right? So AI really is, machine learning is a key component of AI. And so AI is is a way that you can create a machine to really perform tasks like it's like like that it has human intelligence. So it's really things that, like understanding language, recognizing objects and then making decisions based on that. And so when 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 you're doing that, there's and there's different types of AI, right? So there's there's AI that's you know really doing things by learning from a supervised learning standpoint. And a, a supervised, excuse me, a supervised learning standpoint, unsupervised learning, and a reinforce learning. And so again, remember, AI is something where it continually gets smarter, and it get, it's getting smarter, and it's learning because of these supervised, unsupervised, and reinforced learning kinds of methodologies. And so when you look at um, ChatGPT, they've done a lot of this based on actually both all three of these, I believe. It may definitely part of reinforcement. Learning. and I can get more into that if we, if we need to. but but I, I didn't want to get too much in Louise maybe before we start talking about chat GPT. Why don't a you little sh- bit about that.
1: I just started learning about, oh boy, five months ago I started digging into it learning more and I'm not there yet. trust me when I tell you that. Why don't you just explain to people what that is for those that might not even be aware of chat GPT? Ken? Sh- sure. So chat <clears throat>
2: chat GPT, is a framework built built by Open um, AI, and that framework is being used actually in some different products out there. But mainly, um, right now, Bing and Microsoft are using it. But if you go on to uh, and, and type in ChatGPT in Google, you'll see that what it is is it's a um, it's, it's quite interesting because what you can actually have a conversational piece with it, and it's built this way. And so you can type in questions that you might have and it will give you answers. Okay, kind of cool. But also you can give it somewhat commands like, hey, can you talk to me about, you know, what is, who is the best NFL team ever to play? And we'll actually answer your question and we'll give you some details on that question. So this is being, it's been used for a while, this type of technology, this type of AI and chat bots. Um, a lot of times you will see a chatbot. bot um, on a retail site or some kind of sales site pop up and, oh, I must be, let me talk to this person. Well, typically it's not a person. It's usually an AI that you're actually conversing with. And so this has been around for a little while, but but this is one of the ways it's been being used.
1: It's absolutely amazing. And I'll share a couple things that I've learned for the layman out there who are like me in this subject, uh, AI really, uh, this chat GPT is really broken out in the coding world. Coders are using it all the time. Also, storytelling. You literally could have this, tell the chat GPT to tell your child a story. Um, you might wanna listen to it first, but that's your prerogative as a parent, but you could, it would tell a story back to you. People are using it for as simple as recipes. How do you make your chicken chili recipe? And this will respond. Uh, some people are using it. For you leaders out there who have to write, business reviews, uh, field visit rides when you're working with somebody in the field. We define the field as in the business world with clients, customers, how you define them. Uh, it can help you write that. It can, opportunity, I have to say this, in writing Win the 16 book, I did not use Chat GPT. I probably would have gotten even a better product if I would have. I don't think so, Dave. Uh, you're a good writer. Yeah, you're a good man. I appreciate you. Thank you for the plug. <laughs> See, I told you he's my friend. <laughs> and this could change how people write books because again, you could put your words in there. You could put a chapter, a page, and it could come out sharing with you a different way to articulate that page, chapter, whatever have you. So there are going to be a lot, lot of applications with this. I just thought I'd share a couple to maybe as you all think like, how do people use this today? The coders, it's coding, it's massive. I read an article where there was one company, they banned it because so much work was being done on the chat, GPT. What I'm about to say, I'd have to learn more and I think we'd all have to understand this situation better, but people were finishing the work so quickly. Uh, 20%, it was taking them 20% of the time to do it, which normally, let's just say we're taking them eight hours, you know, 25% of the time they were done in two doing it. I don't know why that's a bad thing. I, I would think then you'd have opportunities to do other things and other priorities. But uh, that's a whole other. But talk, go ahead, Ken. You
2: no, know, it's it's, a, it's very interesting you mentioned that because talk about the coding because I lead a technology affinity group and one of it was a sales coach who was in that group deals with uh, a lot of managed service providers but he wanted to write something in JavaScript to put on his website. He mm. couldn't find someone to do it. And so he used ChatGPT to do this. And so the interesting thing was, he's not a programmer. Uh, All he did was type in and say, I'd like to put this in JavaScript. I'd like to put this on my website. And he went through a few revisions. 40 minutes later, he had something that he gave to his web people and said, hey, is this usable to use? And they go, oh yeah, that works perfectly. Amazing. 40 minutes someone who had no idea how to do any kind of programming. So it is quite interesting. It is a tool, and yes. so it's um, we'll see how, how other people use it.
1: I am fascinated for my own self, again, with my book coming out really soon here. Uh, once it's out, I'm going to play with it when I have some free time and put the book in there, a chapter page, and I'm going to be curious what chat GPT would have done with a paragraph or a page to see how different it would have been versus what i did i am very i'm fascinated to see where that's going to go personally so ken i'll let you know one day over dinner we'll have to talk about what i saw sure Uh, ken we we've been down analytics we've talked about some ai now we've talked about the chat gpt what else do you want to discuss today that might help uh, our audience on this journey is there anything else in particular we missed You know,
2: I think one question I hear a lot from clients and and potential clients is, you know, Ken, this is all great. This data stuff, hey, pretty cool. Data insights, pretty cool. How do I get started? Mm. And, you know, a lot of it has to do with, okay, you have to have data. All right, Ken, how do I get the data? So there's a lot of things that we do with clients that first help them on that collection process. Are they collecting the right data? But before you even do that, all right, because you're probably collecting a lot of data in your companies that you don't, you might not even know, and um, and that's actually very valuable. But what insights are you trying to gain? I think that's the first questions that, and, and some people might look at that and say, well, I, I, maybe I don't know. And so that's when we usually, with a lot of our clients, just go through an exercise of talking about their business, talking about their bottlenecks, how are they growing? What are some things that are common problems? Typically, if you ask yourself those questions, it starts to flow of, hey, if I had more insight into this, how would it make my company better? And then based on that, what's the data that you feel you need to get and grab in order to start then analyzing that data? Now, the more data you have, the better usually the analysis is. But this is where Scalesology comes in. This is where we help our clients to get them started on something like this, and to take them on that analytics journey. And, and a lot of it is, you know, but those are the things to kind of think about if you're really getting started. I've got a couple of blog articles on our uh, website at Skillsology With speaking of exactly that, how do you get started with data? And it kind of walks you through uh, a five to ten step process.
1: I'm so glad you. I'm so glad you brought that up. You and I are both big, and I remember when you and I. You're going to laugh. One of the first things I told you when I met you, and and then I immediately ran on your website. I. You could tell you and your organization, core values, culture are important to you and your organization. And that's one of my affections for you is because it's crystal clear in talking to you, but even the way you present yourself on your social media and your website, your values are rock solid, they're right there, they're out there for people to see it. You can tell that's an important point. And one of the things that Scalesology, you and I briefly talked about that you're looking to help me is, you and I both know if people work on culture, they will get paid. They will make more money. Uh, culture is critical for business. If we don't have good cultures, it kills business. But a lot of times people don't invest or spend money. We know leadership development works. It, without it, we're gonna make less money you and I were talking about, is there a way for you to come up with something analytically from a return on investment when people do that? So I'll be curious more to come, uh, what you can come up with, because if I have that tool with my clients and I could show them, that would be huge. And we just talked about that. So that'll be coming to a theater near you, no problem. That'll
2: be fun to do. That will be fun to do. Absolutely.
1: Ken, if people want to reach you, at Scalesology, what would be the best way for them to contact you? If you want a phone number, website, media, if you could share with everybody now, I think that would be great.
2: Yeah, that'd be great. So we're located at uh, scalesology.com. Our number is 312-809-3996. And there's a contact us page, just click right into that. We'll be very uh, happy to answer any questions and, and help you in any way we can.
1: Oh, great, Ken. Thanks for sharing. And you always can contact us at pygon1.com. And uh, Ken is a friend. Uh, we'll, We'll get him the information too to connect you all as well. That's another one. So thank you, Ken Scales, for joining us today, the CEO of Scalesology. You were great. You were helpful. I learned a bunch. I'm sure the feedback we'll get from our listeners. Anything else you want to share, Ken, before we sign off today?
2: No, Dave, I just, I've had, it's been my pleasure being here. Thank you for inviting me here today. And I um, always love talking about data and, and, and more importantly, talking to you. So thanks a lot.
1: Me too. And you know what you do, I am not a com- huge computer person. You always make it easy for me. I, I get it. Your examples, it's interesting and you help me. So that's one of the things I love about you in, in that regard on the business side. So thank you for teaching us all today. For all the listeners out there, we have some great news. The Win the 16 book is here. Yay. It will be, and let me give you the exact date it's here. I mean, it's done. We're ready to ship and do all that kind of great stuff. It will be, we will be launching Win the 16 book on May 2nd. Dr. Bud and I will be having a, Dr. Bud Pagan that is, he likes me to make sure I communicate all the way through. We would love to share some of the backdrop with the book some of the things that I learned during the journey, how we got there. And we're going to have a podcast, a special one a week from today on May 3rd, that will be discussing the book A through Z, how how I was able to do it, where the information came from, and more. So we think it's going to be a good one. He will be interviewing me that day. Hopefully you can listen to it. And uh, again, thank you for listening to Win the 16 podcast. Have a great day. Win the 16, everybody.
0: Thank you for listening to the Win the 16 podcast presented by Pygon One. Please follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcast. Episodes will be released every other Wednesday at 7 a.m. Central Time. Thank you and go win the 16.